Hey podcast people, how's it going? Azrin the Language Nerd here. Hope you're doing very, very well on this fine Monday afternoon or whatever day and time it is for you right now as you're listening to this podcast episode. I'm your host, as per usual, Azrin the Language Nerd. You can find me primarily on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, LinkedIn, and of course on TikTok. My username on all these platforms is identical. It is at Polyglot Azrin. That is spelled P-O-L-Y-G-L-O-T-A-Z or Z depending on your country, R-E-N. You can also simply search Azrin, the language nerd, on whatever your favorite social network is. Again, that is spelled A-Z or Z-R-E-N, the language nerd. And welcome to another podcast episode. I'm very, very excited, as per usual, to be recording this one here. I want to share something in my personal life to start things off. It has to do with the dentist. I have a dentist appointment a little bit later in the day, and I am a little bit nervous. I have to go and get a filling done, and I am not a fan of needles. Not a fan at all. I've gotten better over time. I used to get way more nervous than I do now, and I've come up with different mental strategies that help me work through needles. The biggest one is I literally don't even think about the needle until I'm in the office itself. What I used to do when I was younger is I would get worried for like weeks, the weeks leading up to the needle, and it would ruin, not ruin, but it would cause me a level of uncertainty and anxiety for weeks on end. And nowadays I just get nervous in the actual waiting room itself, which is a big improvement. Now I've actually gotten extra time back in my life whenever there's a needle coming up. I think as well what helps me is I've had more needles over the years, like blood tests and a couple of fillings, things like that. And so I've gotten a little bit more used to them. And I know it's not as, I know, I remember that it's not as terrible as I, as I think it's going to be. Like for dentist needles, I'm really afraid of this needle in my mouth right now. But I also remember last time when they did the needle, I remember them thinking, I remember myself thinking, oh, that wasn't so bad. And so even though I'm really afraid, I also know right now that last time it was fine. I also had a blood, I had some blood work done. I just had a, a regular uh, blood test. I haven't had one in a long time. So they did some blood work um, not, not that long ago. And uh, even that blood work, I was like, oh, that was not terrible. It was okay. Like it was fine, right? And so I'm slowly thinking that, you know, even though I'm nervous about it right now and I don't want to go and I'm I'm debating rescheduling the appointment, I'm not going to because I know it's going to be fine and yeah, it's, it's going to be okay. But still, I'm a little bit afraid. <laughs> now, I want to talk about some different language learning things here. So the first one is using language such as always accept. Always accept. What do I mean by this? Well, as you guys know, I teach various languages and I have taught various languages now for a number of years. It is my full-time gig and I am elbows deep in teaching. I'm really, I do it a lot. I'm spending a lot of time on it, on language education, and I'm always learning new things. And one of the things I've been finding recently is when it comes to explaining a complex grammar point, one of the things that'll help is if you can, if, if, is if you can phrase the grammar point in terms of always do this, except for these scenarios. So I'll give you an example. I think a lot of you guys who listen to the podcast speak a decent amount or a certain level of Spanish. Well, Spanish has two separate verbs that both mean the same thing in English. 
meaning in English we have one verb, but in Spanish they have two verbs to say the same thing, and in different situations you have to pick one over the other. And these verbs are ser and estar. Those are the those are the names of the two verbs. And I found it really helps people understand is, is if I just tell them, you always use ser unless you're talking about emotions or feeling, like emotions slash feelings or where you are. If you're talking about where you are or you're talking about emotions, those are the only times you use estar. Using, like breaking that up in very simple language like that, of saying always do this except for these scenarios, I find that it's very palatable. It's very, it's easy for the brain to absorb that message and internalize it. Versus the traditional way of teaching, of teaching gra grammatical points that are a little bit difficult, especially when you're trying to contrast two separate words or grammar points. The traditional approach is to say, here are the rules for when you use this grammar point. Here are the rules for when you use grammar point number two. And you're trying to memorize these two separate lists of grammar rules, which is difficult for the brain to do. It's easier for the brain to go, oh, here's two grammar points that get confused often. I'm always gonna use that one, except for these scenarios where I'll default to the other one. It doesn't always work, unfortunately and it's it's not always going to be something that you can do but when possible try and teach yourself or if you're a teacher teach others using that type of language and i find it sticks a little bit better um on a similar topic here you know when you're doing this kind of always accept always accept style of learning or teaching i think you have to leave some room for you have to leave some wiggle room for imperfection what I mean by that is, you know, the rule, let's go back to the rule I shared for Spanish. The rule around always use ser except for emotions and locations where you use estar. That is about 90% true. It's not fully true. There's about a 10% leeway where that doesn't really fit into that always except rule. But if you think about it, right, when I think about someone what stage of their development someone is in when they're learning this concept of Spanish, the other 10% of the scenarios are not going to matter. They're not going to care, right? It's not going to be something that affects them as a beginner Spanish learner. So when you're creating these mental rules, allow some room, even though the rule of always use this except for these scenarios, even though that rule may not be 100% true, and there might be a couple of random exceptions that you're ignoring in that blanket rule. But let me tell you, having a simple rule that is easily rememberable in your brain that allows you to be right 80% of the time is way better than having a whole bunch of complex rules to try and learn the same grammar point where it's so complex that your brain just jams and you're never able to actually articulate something when you actually speak. It's way better to have 80% right and just kind of have that as the initial rule you follow and worry about the extra little nuances later on or learn them as you go. It's way better to go about it that way. You know, when it comes to language learning, I'm a big fan of, have, of making people do. I want people to do. I want people to just do stuff and worry about the, and actually don't even worry about the perfectionism you know, and, be, and being a perfectionist or really hitting a certain level by a certain time. 
I'm actually not a fan of trying to hit a certain level by a certain time. It's really difficult at times. And trying to perfect your strategy is really challenging. Um, I am way, I'm, any, I'm a believer that you've got to figure out what kinds of strategies, tools, resources, what can you do that's going to maximize the amount of time and energy and effort you put into the language. So you have to think about things. Number one, it has to be enjoyable. The more you like it, the more you're gonna do it. You have to think about simplifying grammar rules when it's too complex. If it's so complex, you're like, oh my God, I'm getting overwhelmed. Well, you've gotta avoid that. Let's simplify things. Certain people, I have actually, this is the learning point for myself. I have to adjust this in my own teaching practice, to be honest. Um, you know, I've been finding now, as I've thought about it, most language learners do not care to be corrected on every mistake they make. Some language learners do, but the majority don't. And for me, I used to, I'll be honest, I would correct people on too many things. Like I would be a little bit overly picky on people that I knew didn't care about every single mistake. They just want to be understood or they just, they don't care about that aspect. And that I was a bit too, I was a bit, I was a bit too much of a perfectionist as a teacher when I didn't, when I absolutely did not need to be with certain students. So anything that allows someone to put the time in and be engaged with their learning, that is my holy grail. That is my North Star. I just want you to put the time in. You know, uh, I'm going to mention a little anecdote here. And in fact, the person I'm talking about listens to the podcast. So they're probably going to hear this and be like, oh my God, this is me. So I was, I had a, 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 a Skype call with, uh, with a Spanish, with a Spanish learner. And he was telling me how he's put in about 500 hours into his Spanish learning. He's put about 200 hours of speaking and he's been really going hard at the language. He showed me this spreadsheet that he's using to track his efforts and he's really trying to plan out what to do in the new year, what to do in 2020 and how to structure the 500 hours that he would like to put in into the year of 2020. And it was funny because in this call, number one, this guy's doing like, he's doing, I wish there was a way I could just give him perspective. You know, he's probably listening to this right now, most likely. Like, hey, I'm talking to you now. I'm not going to mention your name to, in case you don't want to mention, but let's call you, let's call you Jack. Hey, Jack. Like, listen, I, you know, I, I, I want to give you some perspective. Like, nobody, nobody, even me, to be honest, very few people are putting the effort into learning Spanish or learning a foreign language than you are. Nobody's putting more effort than you. No one is doing the things that you are doing. Nobody is as committed, both mentally and in your actions, as you are. You are doing way more than everybody else really does when it comes to language learning. You're tracking your hours. You're being self-reflective about how to approach things. You are doing speaking practice, reading practice, writing practice, and listening practice. You're doing everything, right? You've done intensive study. You've got, you've blocked off weekends where you, you do like a, an eight hour, like you do an eight hour intensive burst with the teacher. That's amazing. You are listening to podcasts. That's great. You are doing textbook stuff. You're writing things and you're practicing that. Fantastic. You took the time to reach out to me to be like, Hey, Azrin, I want to kind of get some feedback on my strategy and talk about this with you. Great. You're doing everything like 
you're doing everything right. You're doing all the right things, which is why, and this is a note to everybody listening, this guy has done some, has some, has has had some amazing results in Spanish, that note that very few people ever achieve in the amount of time that he has put in. In a one-year time frame, he has achieved, you know, somewhere in the ballpark of a B1 level in in Spanish. B1 meaning like a lower intermediate level. That doesn't happen very often. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't. It's just real. Like, I didn't have that. I don't do that. It takes me longer than a year. He's way more disciplined than I am in many ways. Um, like, it's just, he's doing all the right things. And what the biggest learning point that I want to, I guess, point out to the podcast listeners is this individual, as we said, we're calling him Jack, right? Jack is someone who has figured out what he has to do in order for him to be consistent and for him to put in the time and for him to really go at Spanish in a very dedicated manner. He's figured it out. He uses spreadsheets. He's got goal trackers. He he figures out how much speaking he wants to do. He reaches out to me for help. He's taking class. He told me about this class he's taking in his, in his actual city. He, he spent a certain amount of money on his language learning. You know, most of what he, what Jack does would not work for me. If I was keeping a spreadsheet and track, it wouldn't do it. That's not, I would be so disinterested in doing that. I would not stick around with the language. For me, for myself to hold myself accountable, to make sure I put in the time, I know my tricks. I've got to pay for classes. I have to have a teacher. I have to take classes. I know I have to travel abroad. For me, I have to go abroad and study abroad. I know I have to listen to music. I know I have to, you know, I, I, I know certain things, certain trigger points that make me consistent, that make me put the time in, that, that, that make me be committed to it. And the biggest key is not, in my perspective, trying to find the most effective strategy. The biggest key for me is to figure out what do you have to do for you to be consistent with the language and stick around and put the effort in. If you can figure that out, your strategy might not on paper be the most effective thing, but it's effective for you. It's making you work. It's making you chip ahead. It's making you keep moving forward. And that's the most important thing. The other big thing that came out of the call with uh, with this one individual, Jack, um, it came out right at the tail end. I- I'm-, I'm surprised I didn't even think to mention it to him earlier because it's something I believe in ex- so heavily and I live this both in my language learning, but even just with my life. I, I do this all the time. I think um, for all language learners, in fact, human beings as a whole, I think there's a significant percentage of you. Maybe it's everyone. I don't know if it's everyone, but definitely a significant percentage of people would benefit tremendously by every three months, every two months, every four months, sitting back and reevaluating your life whether it's just like your life decisions, whether it's your language, like reevaluating things and making any necessary adjustments. Doing it on a day-to-day basis is good too, but I think I did it yesterday actually. I sat down for a good hour and a half. I literally sat there, kind of like a meditation in many ways, to be perfectly honest. Um, I had music, like it's not a real traditional meditation where you would picture me sitting in silence with the eyes closed, but I literally sat there, music in my ears. I'm in my own head, just sitting there in silence thinking with myself, just thinking, how do I feel about this? I would write certain things down sometimes like, oh, this isn't working. Hmm. 
and just a, a one and a half hour, hour session, like boom, focused on reevaluating where things are at, what I'm happy with, what I'm not happy with, what has, to, what do I wanna change in the weeks and months to come? I believe this is a good practice for language learners. And as I, as I said before, human beings as a whole about your life, like every aspect of your life, family, health, relationships, friendships, travel, work, uh, sleep, like and everything, just reevaluate and just see, are you happy with how things are going? So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I think I'll wrap it up there. I feel really good about this one. I think there's really, really good stuff that you guys can take away. And uh, we'll chat very, very soon. Bye for now. See you.